that's you and when you're praying when you're worshiping when you're lifting up the Lord it strengthens the body amen amen there are times when individually we might not feel like we have a lot of strength or a lot of joy or a lot of whatever individually we might feel that way but collectively the body of Christ when it starts to worship and praise the Lord and it brings in a manifestation of the presence of God we get to receive from that we receive the strength we need we receive the direction that we need amen I'm thankful for that if you have a Bible you can turn to the book of 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 amen 2nd Corinthians 4 and 7 I feel uh, I feel some things that the Lord has given to me to speak and uh, we'll just trust that he is leading us together in his word why don't you just pray one more time where you're seated Lord we desire to hear from you, Jesus, to know your word and to know your voice. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each person here, God. I know that your spirit is reaching to each one. You know exactly what we're going through, what we're facing, God. You know every individual and every family here, God, and what's going on in each one, Lord. I pray that you would minister to us today. I pray, God, your strength to us, your weak, your, in our weakness, God, that you would minister strength to us in Jesus' name. Father, have your way today. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read in just a moment, but I want to give you a few uh, thoughts, prefacing thoughts first here. First of all, it's okay to be weak. It's okay to be weak, to not have all the strength that you think you should have in your own self. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to be frail sometimes. Frail is kind of like extremely weak almost ready to, to break. You don't really have the strength that you need to face whatever challenge you might be facing. I'm telling you, I'm going to show this to us in the Word of God. It's okay to be that way. It is okay, hear me, I, I know this is not the, the uh, typical thing that you might hear, especially across a pulpit, but it is okay to have faults, weaknesses, frailty, faults. That, that fault is like something wrong with you. And I'm telling you, it's okay to have something wrong with you. In fact, if you do, that means you're a human being. And I'm telling you, it's okay for you to be a human being. We're not, we're not walking around here trying to pretend to be something that we're not. Do you understand? I know 
out there in the world, you don't have to try to pretend to be something you're not. That's kind of the, especially this day and age, it is be more and more and more of who you are. Be yourself. Be exactly as you are and we'll accept you. We'll love you. We'll, well, I'm telling you, in the church, you don't have to leave who you are and come here and, and, and put on some other persona like, oh, I'm going to be with my Christian friends, so let me uh, put on my Christian tie and let me put on my Christian shoes so they see that I'm a Christian. Well, I want to know that you're a Christian, yes, and I want to see that, but I don't want that to be the one version of you that you portray here among the body and then when you leave the body, it's all right, let's take off the Christian stuff. And I'm not talking about clothing and apparel. I'm talking about attitude and spirit. And Brother Hart mentioned it earlier last week when I talked about heaviness. It's the spirit of. It's who you are in your spirit. And I don't want the, just the, the spirit of a church person here on a Sunday and think, well, I'll reserve that spirit of the church person for Sunday, but then go out Monday and Monday through Saturday and be me. No, the, the good news is it's okay to be the you that you are, even in here. That's the starting point. If you're not starting off in honesty with yourself, where are you headed? Where are you trying to head? What direction and what path are you on if you think, I'm going to be dishonest here. I'm going to be somebody else here. I'm trying to tell you it's okay to be human here. You didn't choose your mom and dad. You didn't choose the life that you've led up to this point with what you were given those are not up to you and I it's what we do with who the Lord made us with his help look at somebody and say just be you now now that we got that far let me help you God does not want to make you a better you. Pause, stop, hit the brakes. Like, well, hang on, what are, what are we talking about? You just said it's okay to be me. Yeah, be you and then let God help you. But he's not interested in boosting you a little bit. You understand? He's not trying to just increase your you-ness to make you more better you. He's trying to make you a no more you. So you can start being the him version of you that he wants you to be. He wants to live through you. He wants to work through you. Operate through your life. He, if he's looking at all of this of me 100% Caleb and he's saying where is 
the, where is the space for me to be me in him? If there's not any, we need to do some work. Because I, 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 know, I know this is just not the kind of normal thing that you hear, but I'm, I'm going to show you this in Scripture. But I'm trying to get your, your mind thinking and where you see, where am I headed? Who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be? This verse here, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. A few weeks ago, I talked about power, and we mentioned the words dunamis and exosia. One is ability, one is authority, both to do. Ability to do something, that's dunamis. Authority to do something is exosia. Here it says we have the excellency of the power, that is the dunamis, the ability to do. We have the excellency of the ability to do. That's God's power. And we have it in earthen vessels. I'm not going to take the time to read all the different translations, but it basically, every translation you read, it makes you feel a little worse about yourself. That earthen vessel part. I'm a clay pot. Okay, at least I'm still a something. You're, no, you're a pile of dirt, really, is what you are. A lump on the earth. We have the excellency of the power of God in piles of dirt. Oh, I, <laughs> this is not a good motivational speech, I know. <laughs> I'm, but you understand, I'm not trying to just pump you up so that you feel like I'll go be a better me. I'm going to be the best pile of dirt in Yakima. Good luck. No, I am starting as a pile of dirt, staying as a pile of dirt, and then letting the power of God work in me. Again, it says, this treasure, the power, is in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8 says, we are troubled on every side. That sounds like a human. Troubled on every side. Yet, not distressed. That doesn't sound like the human. Who, what person do you know never gets stressed? Never gets bothered? Never has a bad day? I, I, I don't know one. I've met some really good people. But even them... They would say, yeah, I get stressed out. Yeah, I have a bad day. So when the scripture says I'm troubled on every side, but not distressed, it means the power to not be distressed is not my own power. It's the treasure in the vessel that keeps me from being distressed. We are perplexed. That means we don't know what's going on. 
That sounds like a human, right? You can, you can meet a stranger off the street or be standing in line at the store with somebody. And what, are you, what you have in common with them, regardless of anything else, is you both don't know what's going on. Maybe you know how to check out in the grocery store. Maybe you don't. But if you both know how to do that, maybe you both know where you parked your car, but maybe you don't. Maybe you know how to get in the car and turn it on, but you don't know how that engine works. You probably both don't, unless you're mechanics. You're perplexed. You don't have all the knowledge about all the things because you're human, and that's okay. But we are not in despair. Oh, Jesus, help me. Don't let your perplexity that you have in common with this world leads you to feel like, well, we're both in despair. We're just all in despair. No, no, no. I've got to stop and say, I might be perplexed. Like, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen a year from now, but I am not in despair about what might happen a year from now. I'm not in despair. Why? Because I've got the treasure, the Spirit of God inside me and His power. The excellency of the power of God is residing in this earthen vessel. Verse 9. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down but not destroyed. Every one of these things. If we, can you imagine if the Bible just said we are troubled, we are perplexed, we are persecuted, we are cast down. Amen, you're dismissed. Go be cast down. Go be persecuted. Go be perplexed. No. All of those but not is the other side of the equation. That's the Holy Ghost that you're supposed to have in you. Amen. That's why I'm saying it's okay to be human and start there, and then you know, okay, in my weakness, in my frailty, in my humanity, the Spirit of God is going to come into that and live through that, work and operate through that. What, what's, he, what's the Spirit of God going to do when he meets a person that says, I'm not in trouble. I don't have a need. I'm good. I'm straight. I don't need anything. What's he going to do? He's probably going to sit there and say, well, you won't let me in right now. But I'm going to wait right here. And we'll just see how long your good lasts. God forbid it lasts more than a day or a few days or weeks or years. But there are people out there, I'm good, and they say, I'm good. And they've been saying it for years. When the Lord is saying, I can help you. I can help you not be in despair. No, I'm good. No, you're not. You're in despair. No, I'm good. 
Verse 10 says, Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. In the body. Somebody say, in the body. That means in your flesh. In the, in the frail, weak humanity. Bearing about the dying of the Lord Jesus. I, I have a newsflash for you. Jesus was not so weak that he died on the cross. He was so strong that he chose to die on the cross. That's not a weak version of Jesus Christ. That is the strongest that a man can be. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lays down his life. That's strong. That's not weak. I'm just, uh, we got to get this, uh, the idea that when it says always bearing about the dying of the Lord Jesus, that doesn't mean just go around, oh, I wish things were better, but they're not. Mm -mm. Things are as good as they could be. They're as good for me as they were for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would you want them any better than that? You're going to get in trouble. And why would you settle for any worse than that? That's not His will for you. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. The life of Jesus manifest in you is the epitome of Christianity. Let me say that again. The life of Jesus living in you is the epitome of Christianity. The epitome of Christianity is not a sold-out arena with a lot of followers. It's not. The epitome of Christianity is not God made your mind so great that you wrote a great song and now everybody's singing it all over the world. Wow, they must be a great Christian. No. This is the scripture. You want the life of Jesus manifest in your body. It's only going to happen if he's got room to manifest in your body. If it's all you, there's no him. Verse 11. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus, again, this is the same exact thing, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. This is why your weakness is actually a strength. The thing that you might think is wrong with you is actually the best thing going for you. Because if that is not wrong with you, if that's not something you're struggling with, 
then you're, you're, you, you are likely not to see the need for Jesus there. I've got to have the life of Jesus in me. The sooner you learn to make peace with your personal weaknesses, the quicker you can learn to lean on God's strength. Maybe, maybe, one of your weaknesses is you can't control your mouth and the words that you say. No pointing, boys, back there. <laughs> I'm just joking. Maybe your weakness is, oh, I just, I can't control the words. I think something and I got to say it. Good, bad, or ugly, I just got to say it. You know what? I'm submitting to you that maybe instead of spending more years mad at yourself for that weakness, you identify it as a flaw and say, God, the only way this is going to get better is if me and you both acknowledge this is my weakness and my need for your strength here. Because without it, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to say things I shouldn't say. And I'm going to wish I could take them back, but I'm not going to be able to. The sooner you make peace with that, the sooner you understand my problem is this. I'm not... I, 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 be honest. Be honest. Look at somebody again and say, be you. If I've, if I've never met you before, <coughs> and we start to have a conversation, and you can slip into that conversation somewhere, the fact that you can't control your tongue all the time. You know you're supposed to because the Bible says the tongue is unruly, but the one that can control can control it is mighty and you just in honesty say let me tell you a little bit about myself sometimes I struggle what are we doing we're starting off in a great place because your weakness is now potentially a strength because when <laughs> when somebody walks in and I, I'm looking at you like oh you got something to say probably right let me hear what you're saying. Mm -mm, no, I'm not going to say it. Wow, the Holy Ghost is operating in you. Because your weakness was allowed to be his strength. I, I, I'm not going to take up more time with examples. But you just fill in the blank. Maybe if your weakness is this, the sooner you make peace with that thing, and know, yeah, I'm working on it, but more importantly than me working on it, I'm giving that to God. I'm acknowledging between the Lord and myself in a place of honesty, I struggle with this. It's okay to be weak. I want to I show one scripture here, one more passage. Uh, jump over to ver uh, chapter 6 here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 
I'd like to read this to you in a, in a slightly different version because I like how simple it is to follow. Paul is writing here. This is his second book of Corinth, uh, to, to Corinth, just like we've already been reading. And he's saying, we, we came before you, us, and you thought we were mighty men of God, and we did awesome church work there. And you guys just think we must have it all together. I, I want to dispel. Paul is saying, I want to dispel that idea. I don't want you thinking of me or my co-workers in the kingdom as though we've attained something special, high and mighty, and that's why we can do this. That's basically what he was saying where we just read in chapter 4. No, the, the excellency of the power is of God, not of us. He's kind of continuing on this thought in chapter 6 here. If you'll listen with me, I'm going to start at verse 1. In our work together with God, we beg you who have received God's grace not to let it be wasted. Hear what God says. Hang on, let me make sure I'm in the right place. No, I knew that wasn't right. Chapter 12. See, I'm weak. I don't even know my own notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He's still in the same vein, though. This is the thing about Paul. He can write on end. Paul says in verse 1, I have to boast, even though it doesn't do any good, but I will now talk about visions and revelations given me by the Lord. Verse 2 says, I know a certain Christian man who 14 years ago was snatched up to the highest heaven. You, you're probably like, what in the world? You've heard this in King James Version. The four heavens, is that what it says? Uh, the third heaven. I knew a man, such an one, caught up into the third heaven. So Paul's talking about somebody. I do not know whether this actually happened or whether he had a vision only God knows. Then he repeats that again in verse 4. The end of verse 4, it says, And there he heard things which cannot be put into words, things that human lips may not speak. I don't know. I, I, don't take this as gospel. Take this as just a, a, a theory that just hit me just now. Because maybe he's talking about John the, Bat John the Revelator. Uh, probably, he's probably not. But you understand he's talking about some guy... I have to boast. I, I, I need you to know how great God can work through human beings. Let me tell you about this guy. He was translated. He, he was caught up in the third heaven. And the Lord gave him all kinds of visions and saw things and he heard things, but he couldn't even speak them when he got back down to earth. Verse 6, oh, verse 5. So I will boast about this man. But I will not boast about myself except the things that, I, that show how weak I am. Verse, in King James it says, I will glory in my infirmities. That's the King James English. The plain English is, I will boast about how weak I am. If I wanted to boast, verse 6, if I wanted to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be telling the truth. But I will not boast... Because I do not want any of you, this is the key phrase right here. 
I do not want any of you to have a higher opinion of me than you have as a result of what you've seen me do and heard me say. I could talk about that for a while. Your reputation is what you do and what you say. It's not what you want people to think about you. What you wish somebody thought about you. Or what you would even go as far as to the picture of yourself that you would paint to other people. No, your reputation is what you do and what you say. Paul says, I don't want to boast. I don't want to write in my letters about that I had this awesome vision and I had this great spiritual thing happen and I've, but the Lord's done this through my life. I don't want to put those things in there because I don't want you to be thinking about me that way. The witness of the Holy Ghost is what should determine the reputation. The witness of the Holy Ghost. Now, if it's somebody without the Holy Ghost, the reputation is going to be different. But especially inside the body of Christ, when you've got the Spirit of God and I've got the Spirit of God, the witness of the Holy Ghost between us should determine the reputation. Not... You come to me and tell me, oh, you just preached an awesome revival. Or you did 10 years ago. I'm not picking on anybody, but I heard someone who could not stop telling the story about the revival they preached many years ago. I wasn't there. You weren't there. None of us were there because it wasn't even anywhere remotely close to Yakima, Washington. But every time he wanted me to realize or remember or think that he was a great man of God, he would recall that one time he spoke at that one place and how awesome it was. Well, praise the Lord for whatever God did there. But, brother, the witness and your reputation and my reputation should be the exchange of the Spirit of God that's taking place between us. Can you imagine if Paul <laughs> had, a, had another book over here? All of my glorying's. Oh, I preached. Uh, <laughs> it would look like some preacher's Twitter. Let me just put it that way. I preached here and this many happened. I preached here and this many happened and this great thing. No. I'm not picking on people and preachers and Twitter, understand. But that's not what Paul said. I want my reputation among you to be the things you saw me do and the things you heard me say. Stop it right there. I'm not going to boast about myself any more than that. Verse 7, this is one of the most perplexing scriptures in all the Bible to me. And he drops it right in the middle of all of this. Let me read you the King James Version so you know what I'm saying. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. That means God gave me so much revelation and just so that I didn't get 
exalted too highly, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. He says that twice for emphasis. I recognize that this weakness thing, this infirmity thing, this thorn in the flesh is here to keep me from getting too highly exalted. The Lord is, see, is showing me such great things. I do want to read you this in, this in this passage real quick. To keep me from being puffed up, puffed up with pride of the many wonderful things I've seen, I was given a painful physical ailment which acts as Satan's messenger to beat me and keep me from being proud. Three times... I prayed to the Lord about this and asked him to take it away. Three times. I was reading that and I thought, if I was Paul, I don't know how he stopped at three. I'd be like asking every day. Till I finally got the message, got the point. I'm not taking it away. It only took three times for Paul. So he's a little bit more spiritual than I am. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not going to take that thing away from you. But his answer was, verse 9, He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. I'm not taking that thing away. I am giving Grace sufficient for that. Why? For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul, you just don't get it. If I made you look like the most beautiful thing on earth, and I made all your faculties work to the nth degree, gave you some extra muscle, made you a few inches taller, Made your shoulders a little. If I did those things, Paul, where is the room for my strength to work there? No, I made you weak. Lord, that's not fair. No, I made you weak because my strength is made perfect in weakness. Thank me for the weaknesses that I gave you because that means you have more of me than the person without the weakness. So he says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I would rather you know that when I came to Corinth and the Lord worked and established this church and did those miracles and saved you and worked in all of this, I'd rather you know that that was the Holy Ghost operating through a weak man than to think it was a strong man because then your faith is going to rest in the man. Your, your 
of your thoughts about how we are, who we are and how we got here are going to be led back to me. And I don't want that. So if I have to glory, if I have to boast, I want you to know I'm weak. I want you to know I've got issues. My grace is all you need, for my power is greatest when you are weak. I am most happy then to be proud of my weaknesses in order to feel the protection of Christ's power over me. King James says that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Why don't you stand? I'm almost done here. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In, in literary terms, they would call this a paradox. How can you be stronger the weaker you are? It is the help of God. It is the grace of God. Weakness. The lack of strength. Here particularly, it means the lack of strength to bear troubles and trials of the soul. The lack of strength to bear a trial. How many times do we pray, I'm going through a trial, I'm going to need more strength. I've got trouble in my life, I need more strength for the trouble I'm going through. It is a good thing to have weakness in your soul, the lack of ability to bear. Because then you have to have God help you. You have to have God help you. Show me somebody that doesn't need God's help carrying the burdens and trials of their life and I'll show you somebody that doesn't have God. Would you just close your eyes there for a moment? All around the room, every eye closed. This is, this is how beautiful God is and how awesome and powerful He is because He knows every vessel that's in this room and he knows the infirmity, the frailty, the weakness of each one. And as many different people as there are in this room, that's how many different instances there are for God to show his strength in our weaknesses. Look at me for just a moment if you would. Maybe somewhere in the past, your weakness has been you're good at pointing out other people's weaknesses. 
That's a weakness. I'm telling you, I, I'm not changing the message just because we got more direct. It's still good to be weak, but it's good to acknowledge that is my weakness. I have trouble saying good things about people, but it's easy for me to talk bad and point out the weaknesses of people. If that's me, Lord, thank you for my weakness because it's the opportunity for your strength to be made perfect. And you know what? When it's something like that, be thankful yet again that it's that easy to acknowledge and identify. The key to all of this, listen to me, I'm almost done. The key to all of this is to put yourself on the altar, to do what Paul says and die daily. You need the altar in your life daily. You're not going to reach some super supreme level of Christianity where you say, you know what, I'm just going to die out today enough for this week or this month or this year or the rest of my life. I'm, no, it doesn't work that way. Paul, the man that wrote all of these things, said, I die daily. Why? So that the life of Christ could be manifest in my life. If you think Christ is, hear me, if you think Christ is manifest in your life, but you have not died, that's not Christ manifest in your life. No matter how much it looks like or sounds like Christ. He only manifests himself through a vessel that is empty of itself. I'm asking you to find a place to pray. The altar's open. You can pray at your seat. You can turn and kneel or stand there. Whatever you choose to do. We need to get before the Lord in a place of honesty right now. Acknowledge our weakness before Him. Thank Him for this opportunity for His strength to be perfected in us. God, it's your grace working in me. It's your spirit working in me that empowers me, that gives me the ability to carry a load, to carry a burden, Lord, or to make it through a trial. It's your grace. God, I'm not leaning upon my own self. I'm not leaning upon my own wisdom or my own knowledge. In my weakness, God, you are made perfect. Your strength is completed. That means it's not complete without a place to work in weakness. I'm giving you my weakness right now, Father. I want to be at a place of peace in my life with who I am. God, because I believe you made me. You made each of us this way, God, with these characteristics, with these issues in our lives, God. And you put those things there to try us, 
to prove to us that we need you, to prove to us that we can do nothing without you. Come on, why don't you invite the Lord into your life? Why don't you invite the Lord into those weak places? God, I need your strength in this area. I need your strength at this point in my life. I'm leaning upon you, God. I'm leaning upon you, Jesus, for your strength.
Amen. I don't know that I've ever seen it in Scripture as plainly as what the Lord has shown us today. That it ought to be the life of Jesus manifested in us. The life of Jesus. It, it, it makes total sense to me. It matches everything I've ever seen in the scripture. That we are, the church is the body of Christ. And that we are his sons, his daughters. That he puts his spirit inside of us. But the word manifest means made visible made apparent you can see it not like oh it's some supernatural spooky thing that may or may not be there no manifest that the life of Jesus may be manifest in us can you imagine if Jesus worked where you work you think other people would know? You, yeah? Can you imagine if he lived in your house? You think other people would know? Amen. That ought to be the case because he's in you. If he's manifest in you, he is at your job. He is in your house. He's in you. Lord, I thank you for your spirit that we feel here today. I'm thankful for the ministry of your word and your spirit to us, God. I pray let your spirit be manifest in us. Let it live in us. Let it walk in us and talk in us, God. We are the visible manifestation of who you are. God, I pray let that be the case over each person here that they would manifest you, God. Your spirit, your nature, your character, your life, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I need you to hear me real fast. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. The most noticeable manifestation of Jesus' life in you will be in your words. Your words. Not your dress, not your hairstyle, not the kind of shoes you wear. Not your handshake, not your hug. It's in your words. Because your words are the only thing that are perpetual in nature. You can have a good handshake, but I'm probably going to forget that until the next time I shake your hand. But your words are going to stay with me. What you've said to me I'm not going to soon forget. 
That's why it's the most noticeable manifestation of the Lord operating through you is your words. You can't... Mm. You cannot manifest the life of Jesus without speaking those words. I know you're done and I'm done too and I'm ready to leave. But the Lord is still speaking to us. You can try to do all the other things the right way. But if your words don't match, there is something wrong. Okay. Words include spoken, typed, texted, spoken on the phone, posted online, sent in messages. Those are all words. We have the logos, the written word of God. That is word. So you can't get by just thinking, well, as long as I say the right thing, I can text whatever I want to text. Nope. Those are words. Would you just close your eyes one more time and let's pray. Lord, we want your will done in our lives. God, we want the manifestation of who you are in us. God, that it would be the life of Jesus in us, the ministry of Jesus Christ operating through us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Let our words be unto edification, Lord Jesus. Let them lead to righteousness. Let them produce holiness. Let them be words of love, God. Let them be words that uplift and not tear down. Let them be words that build up, I pray. God, it is the faith that you've placed inside of us, God, that becomes spoken, and it's matched with my spoken word. Lord, if I speak it, it is who I am. It is what I dwell on. It's what I think. It's out of the abundance of my heart. I want you in my heart. I want the excellency of the power in my heart, God. That's the, uh, the great ability to do what you would have me do. I want that in me, in my life, God. I want it manifested in my words, my actions, my attitude, my spirit. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you all. I appreciate you. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Remember Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, Bible study here. Amen. We'll see you soon.